Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be able to hear your word today. We pray, Father, that the ears of our uh, understanding, the eyes of our understanding, will be enlightened so that we can know what the hope is that you have for us, so that we can grow in your love and in your wisdom. We can grow by, uh, by faith. We can see you for who you really are and see the good work that you're doing in us. Ask for your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, just to continue to be with us and guide us into all truth. I thank you in the name of Yeshua. Amen. <clears throat> So this week's Parsha is about, about wrestling with God. <clears throat> I have a ton of notes here, so we'll see where it goes. There's a lot, a whole lot that's going on in this week's Parsha. You're reading it. And um, you begin to see that there are many different places that you could go within this Parsha. And as I was thinking about it and praying over, um, you know, what to say, what not to say, you know, that type of thing, there were some things that really stuck out to me. A couple things that stuck out to me were regarding the blessings that have been passed down from generation to generation. From Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But with that, on the flip curses, generationally, that you can see that were continued to be acted upon from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I was wondering, have any of you ever had or ever noticed some families, co-workers, people that you hang out with, and it seems like their whole family from their grandfather down to their grandchildren are all alcoholics, right? Or have you ever seen it where there's just a whole line of abuse and it started with Grandpa. We don't know why things go this way. And then in other families, you go, wow. Grandpa started this business, and it's just continued to flourish. And the children all the way down, everybody's blessed, and everything seems to be going right. And you wonder how those families do it. How did they make it? What was their, was there a secret to success, so to speak? So good and bad can follow 
a family lineage, right? I want to submit to you today that from the Garden of Eden, that what started there still was being seen in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when you look at the deception that took place in the garden and the deception that continued from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's an underlining current that is attached to the deception and the lying. That underlining spirit or current is fear. What happened with Adam and Eve? They were deceived, they sinned, and then when God came looking for them, what did they do? They hid out of what? Out of fear. So what is fear? Let's look at some, some definitions of what fear is. I'll use uh, Merriam-Webster here. Right, whoever it is. All right, so the definition of fear. Uh, transitive verb is to feel fear in oneself. To have a reverential awe of fear. So that's a good fear, right? That's a good fear. We're talking about the fear that's not good. To be afraid of. Expect with alarm. An unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. That's where we see Esau this week, right? Now I'll come back to that. An anxious concern, a reason for alarm. So that's what Merriam-Webster says, or Miriam, Merriam-Webster says about fear. So let's start with Abraham. We'll kind of make our way through from there. So Abraham, in Genesis 12, he receives the promise, the blessing from God. And here's what that blessing says, or what Adonai says. Get going out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. My heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you can be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse, and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. So we receive a blessing because we're in the lineage and the line of Abraham, right? So what does Abraham do? He's going out and he's traveling through Canaan and the Lord also speaks to him and says, I'm going to provide this land for you. It will belong to you while he's on his way to Egypt. So all of a sudden, Abraham's wife is, bam! She must just be 
all get out gorgeous, right? So they get to Egypt, and what happens? He lies. Abraham deceives and says, Oh, this is my sister. I'm afraid of this because I don't want anybody to have what I have, what belongs to me. So he deceives Pharaoh. So later on, Abraham goes to King Abimelech. And what happens there? He lies again. So we now see one of our forefathers who have started the process of deception along the way, right? So then we go down to Isaac and Rebekah. And Adonai says to Rebekah, there are two nations in your womb, and two peoples from your body will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other people, but the other will serve the younger. Who was born first? Esau. What was, uh, what was trying to hold that process back? <laughs> the hill grabber, Jacob, the one that's called the deceiver. So we move along a little further, and we see that as they're growing up, Esau had been out, he'd been hunting. We don't know if he is uh, exhausted from the hunt or he's just dehydrated or what's going on with him. And so what does the deceiver do? What does Jacob do? He says, give me your birthright, and I'll give you some soup. So he trades his birthright. But the birthright was not obtained, like Rabbi said last week or two weeks ago, by just allowing God to do what God does. He deceived for it. The deceiver exploited weakness in order to get what he wanted. Did you know that the same pattern, the same things in our life can also be found evident? Did you know that the enemy will come to you at a time of weakness in your life and he'll try to barter with you for the very birthright that has been given to you, being created in the image of Yeshua HaMashiach and try to get you to trade that. So Genesis 26, we go down and we see that as Isaac has uh, progressed, that he too goes to King Abimelech during a time of famine. And his wife is beautiful. And so out of fear... He also lies to King Abimelech. So we're beginning to see a pattern that Abraham had the blessing of God. God's hand was on his life. Abraham was looked in the book of Hebrews and in the hall of faith as a, as a forefather of our faith. But we still see that he had some struggles. And I believe that we can see 
that Jacob and Isaac also had struggles. So Jacob later on deceives Isaac, his father, for blessing, right? Here is the blessing that Jacob spoke, I mean that uh, Isaac spoke over Jacob. May God give you from the dew of the sky and from the fatness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and may nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. And then in comes Esau. Right after that, remember the story? Made him... Some stew, just like he was, he's asked on, uh, when Isaac is on his deathbed. He says, Father, you know, here I am. Give me your blessing. Oh, no. Isaac was deceived. And Esau says, there's got to be something that you can give to me. Got to be something you can give to me. What can you bless me with? So Isaac says to Esau, Behold, away from the lands of fatness shall your dwelling be, away from the dew of the sky. By your sword shall you live, and your brother shall you serve. But when you tear yourself loose, you will tear his yoke off your neck. And Esau says, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> you ever been there? You ever been deceived by somebody that you loved or you thought was... Uh, on your side, you just want to kill them. It's a human emotion. So then what happens? So then as we continue to go forward, Jacob goes to Laban's house because his mama said, you better get out of town, boy. <laughs> uh, your brother's going, he, he's mad. He's going to kill you. And uh, that's, if your mama ever says that to you, you, you should probably do the same thing. <laughs> so Jacob goes to Laban's house. And what happens at Laban's house? What? More deception. No, you're fine. So he sees Rebecca. Wow! Here's, an, here's Man, these must have some fine women in their family or something. You know, I don't know. Bam, I'm going to lie about this one. I'm going to lie, but she's my sister. No. So, you know, what is it? Rebecca falls off the horse. I guess, uh, you know, Jacob wasn't bad looking either or whatever when they're riding through there. So it's like love at first sight. Bam! And then he says, okay, Laban says, or uh, Jacob makes the offer, you know, the, the, the dowry if you will, uh, work for me for seven years, and you can have her. Now, the description that the Bible gives um, is pretty interesting about Leah. It says, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. I don't know if Laban was trying to buy time so that Leah might actually get married. I don't know. Um, I, I really can't speculate about her appearance versus Rachel's appearance or anything like that. I can just tell you what the Bible says. Fair eyes and 
beautiful and whatever. Obviously, Jacob didn't want to be with Leah, right? However you cut it. So, he works for seven years. It's marriage time. I can't wait. And he wakes up, and there's Leah. Oh! How many of you had... No, I'm not going to ask that question. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, moving forward. So, seven years... And then he works seven more years, and he continues to be deceived. Jacob gets fed up with it, and he says, we've got to go. This is Lynn's Cliff Notes version, okay? We've got to go. I'm tired of this. I've been doing this junk for 20 years. You know, I have Leah and Rachel and I have uh, two concubines, and it, it's time to go. Um, you know, we wanted to, to do our own thing. And then they have this argument with he and Laban, you know, same thing, I've worked for you, you've continued to deceive me. I find it real interesting that the person who was the deceiver was finally deceived and a lot longer than probably he ever thought. As a side note here, have you ever worked with somebody who's a liar? Okay, so you work with somebody who's a liar. I'm not asking if they're in your house, because if you raise your hand, we're all in trouble. (laughs) So, if you have a co-worker or whatever that's a liar, what is the liar's issue? It's fear. They fear trusting someone else because a liar is always afraid that they're the one that's being lied to. The deceiver is always afraid that they're the one that's being deceived. The problem with deception is that it's so deceiving. Even the deceiver did not see the deception that was deceiving him until finally he woke up one day. It's the same way in our lives. If we become liars, we won't trust anybody. If we're deceivers, we will think that everyone is always trying to deceive us. I can go on down the line. with If, if, if we uh, are involved in uh, sin where there's lust, we'll think that everybody wants us. Or we'll think that we're the most rejectable person that there ever was. Out of fear. Fear is the underlining factor here. So we see Jacob. And he's going through all of this stuff. And he's running, right? 
So he's running from, from what? He's running from what he feared most. He feared that his own brother was going to come and kill him. Why? Because he had never dealt with his own fear. He'd never dealt with his own deception. He'd never dealt with that nature that was, that was in him, that is in him. So uh, 30, chapter 32 in Genesis. Early in the morning, Laban got up, kissed his grandchildren and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban left and turned, returned to his place while Jacob left on his way. The angels of God met him. Then Jacob said, when he saw them, this is God's camp. And he named that place Manaim, or whatever it is. I, I was going to butcher it anyway. So then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau to the land of Seir, the field of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, This is what you should say to my Lord, to Esau. This is what your servant Jacob said. I've been staying with Laban and have lingered until now. Now I've come to possess oxen and donkeys and flocks and male servants and female servants. I sent my word to tell my Lord in order to find favor in your eyes. Does that sound like a nervous, uh, dreadful speech? Hey, I've got all this stuff. Please don't kill me. <laughs> He's trying to buy his way back into Esau's life because he is feeling guilty, I believe, of the deception of which he deceived his brother with. Then Jacob sent messengers before him. Yeah, I read all that. Okay, the messengers returned, verse 7, to Jacob saying, We went to your brother, to Esau, and he's also coming out to meet you. And by the way, there's 400 men with him. <laughs> so Jacob became extremely afraid and distressed. Fearful, right? He divided the people with him. We were having a conversation this morning. <laughs> How do you decide, um, you know, okay, so these wives are not as important, so I'm going to divide these two up, and they were just slave girls. The kids aren't really that important, I don't guess. I mean, you know, I don't know how you do that. You know, I understand he had uh, Rebecca in the back. Why? Because that was the one that he really loved. He, he, he was, you know, he, he was head over heels with her still, and then he has Leah. I guess he feels obligated to protect her because that's his father-in-law's daughter even still. So he divides them up, and he makes this grand uh, plan. And Jacob... Out of his desperation, praise. Oh God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, Adonai, who said to me, return to your land, to your relatives, and I will do good with you. I am unworthy of all the proofs of mercy and all the dependability that you have shown to your servant. 
For with only my staff I crossed over this Jordan. And now I've become two camps. Deliver me, please, from my brother's hand, from Esau's hand. For I'm afraid of him, that he'll come and strike me, the mothers with the children. You yourself said, I will most certainly do good with you and will make your seed like the sand of the sea that cannot be counted because of its abundance. Do you know what he's doing there? First off, if you want to call it a confession, he's coming clean. Do you know that the way to God in relationship with Him in becoming a person that's useful for Him, we have to ask His forgiveness. We have to accept the fact that we have been forgiven. Who is the hardest person to forgive in your life? Yourself. Why? Because I know how dumb I am. <laughs> right? I know all my mistakes. And they continue in my mind at times, right? And they turn and they turn. And I continue to get bombarded and continue to get beat up by those things. Is that what happens? It is what happens. There's a way out of that. And I'll show you. So Jacob is, is in, his, in his confession, and he also reminds God in his confession, which he's being reminded as well, of who God says he is. As we develop our identity in who Yeshua is, and in who God says that we are, after we have become a new creation, we should be saying, I am the righteousness of God in Yeshua. I can conquer this mountain, this battle in my life. Not in my own will, not in my flesh, but because He is the one who said that I can do it. I want to encourage you this morning. Wherever you're at, whatever is going on in your life, get into the Word of God. Remind the Lord of who He says you are. It's what Jacob did. Jacob said, you're the one who said this land belongs to me. I am in this lineage. He had followed emphatically a growing line of fear and developed that fear and deception in his life. The light comes on in this moment and he begins to confess who God says he is. We don't have to be the liars, the deceivers, the adulterers, the pornographers, the ones who are in lust and, and running after the world. 
So how do we get out of that? So Jacob comes to a point where he's laying his head down, probably with one eye open, <laughs> probably has insomnia. I don't know. But he lays his head down on a rock, right? And he begins to realize or understand in this wrestling whom he's being wrestled by. And Jacob, in his wrestling, understands that if he continues to wrestle and he continues to hold on, that maybe he'll be blessed. And he continues to ask for a blessing, even after he stole one <laughs> or two, right? But I think that's where his heart began to be turned. He gets up from the wrestling and he's still prepared to follow out his plan. In our lives, one of the ways, other than reading the word, that we're going to become victorious because that's what it says. It says that, that Jacob wrestled and he became victorious. Right? We have to get to a place where we are willing to surrender our lives in prayer in a wrestling match with God. Some people say, well, I'm addicted to this, and I guess it's just always going to be that way. Or my grandfather was an alcoholic, and my father was an alcoholic, so I guess I'm going to be an alcoholic, and my kids are going to be alcoholics. Or whatever the deal is. It doesn't have to be that way, whatever it is. If you will press in, if I will press in and continue to wrestle out that thing, the Lord will be the one to deliver us. So what did the wrestling teach us? <laughs> that blessing is released to us through prayer, which develops relationship and intimacy. The wrestling teaches us that sometimes it takes persistence in prayer. He continued to hold on and he continued to say, I'm not going to let you go until this happens. And what happened? He was changed. He was changed. And we need an inner change. We need the inner socket of our hip to be put out of whack in such a place that our walk isn't the same. That we don't walk according to the course of the world. That we don't, we don't do the thing. We're not afraid to, to be the messianic believers that we tout or say that we are. 
that we continue to march on and not be fearful. The blessings of God cannot be obtained unless we submit to Him. It is a passive faith for me to say, if I go over there to that light switch and I turn it, it's just going to go on or off. Faith is, I'm going over there, I haven't seen it come on, but I'm going to flip the light switch and it's going to come on. I actually do the work. Faith and works together, right? We have a part, God has a part, but God wants to see that we're willing to, to, to work and meet an obligation that's found in every relationship in order to get to a point where He's willing to, to give, but we have to submit to Him. <coughs> God in his relationship is the blessing. And it's important for us to know that when we go to him in faith that he hears us. So what happens? So Jacob wrestles and he still carries out his plan. And Esau comes, and Jacob says, i got to give you all this stuff because I've done you wrong. <laughs> it's interesting to see that when Isaac blessed Jacob, these words were in that blessing. But when... You tear yourself loose. You will tear his yoke off your neck. Forgiveness. Did you know that a lot of lying and deceiving and those type of things are based on not fear but whether or not we forgive ourselves or we've forgiven somebody else in our lives. Who are we hung up on not forgiving? I wrote some things down about fear a couple weeks ago. As you can see, that the fear and the lineage through that is a pretty powerful thing. But Jacob begins the process as he becomes Israel because he has wrestled with God and man to break that cycle. And the reason why I say that, even though you can see some things later on in his life, when, when Jacob stands before Joseph and Pharaoh at the end of his life, what does he do? He blesses Pharaoh. Normally, if you're standing in front of a person of that stature who calls himself a god whom you're supposed to worship, you might see fear. It would take a lot of faith, I think, for him to bless Pharaoh. So I believe that you can see where he begins to overcome that fear in his life. I'm going to read this and, uh, and then we'll pray. 
Some people fear success while others feel fear failure. Some people fear defeat while others fear victory. Some people fear getting caught while others fear exposure. Some people fear being fake while others fear truth. The truth reveals both sides of fear. Some people fear the wise while others fear wisdom. Some people fear knowledge while others fear the knowledgeable. Some people fear understanding while others fear being understood. Some people fear sin while others fear it not enough. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One understanding. Fear binds love. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Perfect love casts out fear that is not holy. Allow Adonai to love you in such a way that the unholy fear may be cast out and the fear of the Lord take up residence. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? Choose ye this day whom you would serve. In James, or Jacob, they've been studying on uh, Tuesday nights. 5.16 says, So confess your offenses one to another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Psalms 18.19, They came out against me in my day of calamity, but Adonai was my support. In Psalms 56.9, You have recorded my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. And are they not in your book? He hears you. He hears your struggles. He hears your fears. That's the point. Psalm 118, 6 through 7 says, Out of a tight place I called on Adonai. Adonai answered me with a spacious place. Adonai is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 102, 17 to 18. For Adonai has rebuilt Zion. He has appeared in his glory. He has turned to the prayer of the destitute, and has not despised their prayer. He hears you if you cry out to Him, if you will wrestle with Him, if you will take up residence with Him, allow Him to have His way in your life. John 16, 23 and 24, In that day you ask me nothing, amen and amen. I tell you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Up to now, you have asked nothing anything, or anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be full. The Lord wants our joy to be full. He wants to answer our prayer. He wants us to walk according to His ways and to be righteous, but we cannot do it without a wrestling with Him. We must come to a point in our life have you ever been tired of yourself? I, don't, I have. I am so sick and tired of being this person. I am so sick and tired of always falling in to this habit. You're at a good spot because you can begin to wrestle with the Lord. So I encourage you today. I want to encourage you today.
There is a wrestling that is available. Do you want to be in the match? Are we willing as believers to come to a point where we're willing to wrestle out our own salvation with fear or awe and wonder before the Lord? I read in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord or the awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One, understanding. We do not have to always be the people that we have always been just because an unholy father or mother or grandfather or employer has said you'll never do anything. We're not those people because we have the promise and the blessing with God. You're never going to do this or you're never going to do that or you're always going to be. Those words and those curses can be broken. The generational curses that have come down through our family lines can stop with you. Are you willing to wrestle for those to be stopped? And if you were the person who spoke ill to your children, did you know you can reverse that? You can destroy that yoke. Call them and tell them, I love you, I'm for you, I'm not against you. They might not receive it. They might be thinking, uh-oh, this person's setting me up. But keep going. Keep pushing forward. Keep striving. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are for us and not against us, that you made us above and not beneath, the head, not the tail, Father, I pray for every person in here under the sound of my voice and who might listen to this message later. I pray, Father, that the yoke of deception and the yoke of fear will be broken in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, that generational curses that have been passed down through the lineage, that they'll be broken in the name of Yeshua and that these people will begin to hear and see and know that you are the Lord in their life. To know that you have spoken blessing over us. That we have been given a new identity. That we can walk in your ways. And we don't have to be uh, full of shame or full of fear or full of doubt any longer. We don't have to be those people. Because you said it. Father, I pray that we will see, that people will begin to see and understand that they can wrestle these things out with you and that as we wrestle these things out with you, that you change who we are. May we not resist the change. You change our character. You take those things that were meant for evil and you turn them for our good.
And I just speak that everyone here, as they begin to dig in the word, in prayer, and worship you, that they will hear your voice. They will see in your word who you say they are, who you say we are, so that we can walk our lives as the new creation that you have developed and are developing within us. And I thank you today in the name of your Son, our Messiah, Yeshua. Amen.